we just declare, Jesus, this church belongs to you. It's all about you. It's for your glory. We declare we're not going to be held back by coronavirus from extending your kingdom. We thank you that you sent us 2,000 years ago. Plagues, viruses are no surprise to you. And I thank you there is opportunity in every moment to be faithful to what you're calling us to. And we just say, Lord, would you give us eyes to see how you see? Would you give us hearts to obey as you lead? And would you give us faith to see the possibilities for your kingdom breaking in every moment? We pray this in the name of Jesus and everyone who agrees, mumbled in their face masks. Amen. Well, um, I'm going to bring us into land um, on week four of Finances God's Way. And my goodness, you keep on coming back. Normally, finances is the best way to scatter a church. And you, well, you're locked in for a month, aren't you? You've got your ticket. You've got to turn up now. So um, well done, everybody. It's been a joy to hear back. I literally had eight emails this week about chainsaws. (laughs) And literally, and um, Janet Ray, who won't be known to all of us, but is probably the most flamboyant, extravagant chef known to, you know, the Western world, uh, invited Louise and I over for supper. Uh, but she said, I'm only going to be serving tomato soup and white sliced bread. So anyway, we're all growing um, and uh, it's all good. Um, this morning, I want to bring before us a financial vision for the future what Lou and I believe is God's financial vision for the future. And uh, four weeks ago, can you believe, when we came blinking into church for the first time um, in seven months, we looked at dethroning money. You know, Jesus set us free not to be constrained by Western material concerns. Who the Son has set free is free indeed. He really is. And we were dethroning money and putting it in its place. That's not to minimize some of the challenges in all of our lives, but where we're held back from serving the Lord because of money, then we're just throwing that out the window. Second week, we looked at what Jesus teaches in the Gospels about money, possessions, and how to live for the Lord. And we basically reminded ourselves that he calls us to seek first the kingdom And the other part of that equation is that his father, who's become our father through his laying down of his life and our faith in him, his part of the equation is that he will provide for our needs. Last week, we reminded ourselves that everything belongs to the Lord. So quick question, who here is a homeowner? Okay, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Clearly did a bad job last week. Psalm 24 verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and... Everything apart from my house belongs to you. Um, The earth is the Lord's and... So everything we receive in life is God's gift to us. To handle for a few short moments. We're the Prime Minister. He's the Sovereign. We are literally deploying His resources. We're checking in more than weekly for counsel with our Sovereign. Because it all belongs to Him. And we are on borrowed time. Seeking to allocate according to His leadership in our lives. And this week, I just want to bring before us the question, what could church be like? What could life be like if we actually put some of the things we've been talking about into practice and went on a journey and 
began to change our lifestyles, change our minds, change our attitudes, and put this into practice as a church. What could life be like? Not simply for us internally, but what impact could we make to one another, to the Lord, and to those around us in our communities if we put this into practice? And so we're going to go on on a journey as a church, and I'll explain a bit about that in a few moments Um, But we're going to check back in in a year's time and just take a litmus test on what God has done in finances. Because it's not really about finances, it's it's about our hearts and his heart and about his kingdom and how much of the ways and reality and experience of his kingdom is made made real in all of our lives. What could church be like? So this morning, uh, as we answer that question, we're going to look at the early church and our core Bible passage this morning is going to be Acts chapter 4. So if you've got a Bible, have it open towards the end of chapter 4 in the book of Acts. And we're asking ourselves the question, what could church be like? Now I want to ask, and what we're going to find is that the early church shared what they had and provided for those in need. But let me ask you a question. Do you believe the Spirit of God is alive in this church? Yeah? You honestly believe that? I mean, we might hunger for more at times. You honestly believe the Spirit of God is welcome and resident in this church? Okay. Now, what's interesting about context is, do you remember in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God is poured out in response People get saved and they devote themselves to apostolic teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. Miracles are being done by the apostles. Great awe is upon the church. And what do they do? They sell their possessions. They provide for those in need as, an, as a response to the outpoured spirit. So it begs the question, if the spirit of God is really resident in our church, why aren't we spontaneously Selling our possessions, sharing things in common, providing for one another in need. Fast forward to Acts chapter 5, what we find is they're still practicing this. And, you know, some people might say, well, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it was going to calm down. Maybe the early church in Acts 2 were just a bit over-enthusiastic. Youth group on fire, you know, and once they hit middle age, it'll all calm down a bit. You know, but what happened is when Stephen was martyred, this is about five years after Acts 2, when they were expelled from Jerusalem, this took about five years, so plenty of time for early enthusiasm to calm down. We were talking with um, my mum and dad, and my mum said, well, you know, maybe they shared their possession, maybe they were radical because they expected Jesus to return at any moment. You know, and you probably would, wouldn't you? If you expected Jesus, you know, if he was going to return now, we'd all probably live differently, wouldn't we? So maybe the early church were radical because they expected Jesus to return right there and then. To which Louise responded, well, shouldn't we be living like that? Because yes, we're here 2,000 years later after Jesus ascended to heaven, but... What does Jesus teach us about his return? Be ready. The end of Matthew's gospel. It's going to happen like a thief in the night. Keep the, keep the lamp burning because it could be at any moment when the master returns. 
Or what if we lived like there was no tomorrow? This was our last chance before Jesus got back. What if we lived every day as if this was our last before Jesus finally returned and put all things right? And we had no more opportunity to tell people about Jesus or to make a difference in our lives. Is everyone okay? I just, you know, um, someone said to me this week, I'm really enjoying the finances series, but it's getting a little bit radical. <laughs> and and um, someone left the nine this morning saying, um, I really enjoyed that, but it's, it's challenging. Um, and it's a bit like going to the dentist, isn't it? It's good for you, <laughs> but sometimes it's a bit bracing. But, do you know, I think this is the time church where God is not calling us to be vanilla he's not calling us to just look the same as society but he's taking us back to normal which we would define as radical but this is actually just normal biblical Christianity so in Acts chapter 5 you find the Jerusalem church impacting the whole city and the impact in chapter 5 verse 13 and 14 sharing everything in common is that no one dared join them the whole city was observing them, thinking, man, I don't want to, I can't even go there because I presume I don't want to spoil it. Ah, no one dared join them. They were also held in high esteem. And paradoxically, they couldn't keep people away. More than ever, even though they don't dare join them, believers were added to the Lord, great numbers of both men and women. Now we're going to turn to Acts chapter 4 now, and I ask you the question. Do you believe the Holy Spirit's in this church? You said yes. Uh, so it begs the question, why aren't we sharing possessions? Why aren't we providing radically, materially for those in need? And let's have a look what we, what we find here. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Now the whole group of those who believed were, one, were of one heart and mind. And no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. The reason, after the Spirit landed, that they spontaneously gave to those in need at material cost to themselves was because they didn't claim private ownership of any possessions. He said, for you and I, we're recipients of 21st century and 20th century and right back to um, you know, uh, I am because I think individualism, modern, rational philosophy, and because of that, we think about me and my life and my stuff that I've worked for and I own. And yet, these guys didn't think like that at all. They've been added into the kingdom community which will last forever and ever and ever. They finally realized because of Jesus, this guy is not someone I like and go to church with. He is my brother. She is my sister. We are family. And this is going to last forever and ever and ever. So a win for him is a win for us all. A loss for you is an opportunity for me to grab you by the shoulder and say, let's march together. They were one, and that meant they thought about themselves and one another as one, one family, God's family under him. Everything belongs to the Lord. It all belongs to him. So if you get a bonus from work, 
That is a win for God, and it's a win for God's body. Who's God's body? Us lot. Someone told me they'd um, uh, just had a, a windfall, and they were able to pay a chunk off their property. Um, and, uh, and I was like, praise the Lord, we've paid off some of our property. They were like, you weirdo. <laughs> It's mine. <laughs> but it's a win for one of us, it's a win for us all, and a loss for one of us is an opportunity to bring comfort and strength for us all. Verse 33, with great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. They were powerfully and authoritatively proclaiming Jesus in the dynamic presence of God. Verse 34, what was the result of what was going on? There was not a needy person among them for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold there was not a needy person among them wow what would it be like if in a year's time we could say before the lord before our communities there is no one needy in this church look under the bonnet there is no one needy in this church. What a thing to be able to say. What a prophetic, liberating, powerful, materially free picture of heaven blitzing earth. How do you think our parish councils would respond when they're trying to up the community tariff and nobody wants to because everybody's skin? And you say, well, the church, we found ways of eliminating need in the church how can we help how can we share some of these principles how can we serve what if west sussex stepped back in a year's time and realized in these few little villages between worthing and horsham there's something going on because they seem to have a different economic climate how do they do this well, what's interesting is what is not here in this passage what is not here in Acts 4 is that the believers all prayed for promotions. The believers all developed multiple income streams. The believers all maximized their income. The believers had a prayer meeting and asked God to bless them so that they could be a blessing. It isn't there, is it? They gave from what they had. For as many as owned lands or houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They gave from what they had. You know, for all of us here, four weeks ago, we all said, oh, if we had more money, we could serve the Lord more fully. And yet God knows exactly where you were going to be on the 25th of October, 2020. He knows what you would have, and he calls you from this place to give and to serve and to worship with what you have materially from where you are right now. Does this make sense? Everyone, all right? <laughs> it's dentistry, man. Bright light shining on me. Ah, it's like, ah. <laughs> Verse 35. They laid it at the apostles' feet and distributed it to each as they had need. How did they do it? Uh, we have an example. And this example, if you read on, is going to contrast with our favorite story in the Bible Ananias and Sapphira. But anyway, we've got the good part here, which is uh, Joseph, who becomes Barnabas, a son of encouragement. He sold a field that belonged to him, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. The process 
for how they distributed, distributed what they had to those in need, the process for how they ensured no one was left behind, the process in an increasing environment, a growing environment, an increasingly complex environment, was that they brought what they had, they laid it at the apostles' feet, and they, through that mechanism, made sure it was distributed appropriately according to what God was saying and to those in need. The process is that it was brought to the leadership of the church and distributed to those in need. And let me just say, I'm not going to do a weird, cultic, mind control mechanism uh, because I'd really love to go on holiday when coronavirus disappears. Okay? But the process in a growing, complex environment is that you need a mechanism to ensure that no one gets left behind. We have this example in Acts chapter 6. Do you remember? Uh, as they were seeking to feed and ensure no one gets left out. Do you remember? Greeks were getting left out. Some of the orphans and widows weren't getting provided for. People are like, ur, ur, ur. the emails start coming in. The apostles are getting flacked. Da, 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 da. And what do they do? They realize they need to restructure to ensure that life can continue to flow because the environment now is getting big and complex and we have to uh, address this. I'm going to apply this to church, but I just wanted to say, you know, we all love spontaneity and the organic provision for one another, but in an increasing, growing environment, you need structures to ensure no one gets left behind. And the structure in our church is through the church council, the PCC, and that's how we process our finances so that nobody gets missed out and we can do this well according to what God is saying. Now, I'm going to talk about that in a few moments, but let me just pause to say, what again, what could the future be like according to Acts 4? No one in need... No one in need. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but if I did, there would be people in this room who are in need. What if we moved to a place where we could say before God, no one is in need? So that our cuppeth overfloweth in the churcheth, so that we could be a blessingeth in the communityeth. Do you see what I mean? We've eliminated need here, so we're on the front foot for society, for community, for those beyond ourselves. What a picture, being free of materialistic accumulation, standing shoulder to shoulder with the poor, with those having a tough time. What a radical picture of the inbreaking of heaven on earth. Who is in for that? I'll ask you that in a moment. Now let me just sketch out some possible implications for us as a church. The implications, firstly, are about our mindset. This is a picture where our mindset shifts from, I am Mike and I go to Chanctonbury once a week. And because I like 2033 a little bit, I'll put a bit in the pot so that we can do a few nice things. The mindset shift is, I am part of an eternal family that is materializing itself here in these villages, I am part of a growing, fiery movement of people changing the world. And I am with brothers and sisters. And I'm here to make a difference in my life. 
All that I have belongs to the Lord and the Lord's people. This is not coercion. It's got to be from the heart. And you know, I'm not going to start phoning you up saying, you know, have you, you know, all things come from Him, and have we only giving? So have you given? You know, all of that. No coercion, but from the heart. It's like I am in. I'm part of an eternal kingdom family. This is what we're doing. What's the direction for giving? The direction for giving is always upwards as worship to the Lord. Of his own do we give back to him. So giving is always worship. And we love to be cheerful and joyful as we worship. Giving can be spontaneous and sideways. I want to take a few moments just to think a bit about central giving and what this is about about laying finances at the feet of the PCC and what that means, or what that could mean as we look to the future. And one obvious uh, question we may have, uh, well, two obvious questions we may have is, what is that, like, how do we process that? And I've got an interview that you'll get tomorrow morning with Mark the Legend Barrett. Uh, you might have a little picture of uh, him and I. Uh, he's a good-looking one on the left. And um, he's uh, managed to be around. He's normally spying somewhere in Eastern Europe. Um, but he was available, so I did a little interview explaining the decision-making process for us as a leadership as a church. Some people in church think that we make all the decisions through the people, and some people think I'm the Pope and I make all the decisions. Here in this church, we have our church council who are representing the whole body of Christ working with the church wardens and myself to make decisions according to what God says and to seek to obey in response. Not everything that I bring to the PCC always gets approved and I embrace that because I respect them as godly men and women who are called by God to help us discern what he's saying and then walk forward in unity as a church leadership in response to that. The second question uh, in, that you may have is um, who is in need amongst us if we are eliminating need then who is in need amongst us and I'm going to answer that in a couple of ways the first is to just share briefly a bit about our church finances and second to ask some questions that we believe God is calling us to address uh, over the coming months and in the year that's before us Thinking about finances centrally, in July, five months into COVID, we took some time as a church council, as a church leadership, and we, in response to what we believe God was saying, made some decisions about the future. We decided, though the whole world may be uh, trimming, adjusting, and all of that, we decided to invest in ministry for the growth of the kingdom. So we decided to recruit a head of operations, we decided to recruit a full-time head of youth in faith for a growth in our finances in 2021. Sounds absolutely bonkers, but that's what we believe God was saying and that informed our decision-making. This is alongside our continued investment in kids' ministry, worship ministry, pastoral ministry, stewarding our buildings. That is part of what we believe God is calling us to invest in as a whole church to lead us forward into our calling and vision for 2033. That's in addition to what we give away and give beyond ourselves as a church. 
If ever there was a time to enable operational and organizational excellence, it is now as we face the complexities of church leadership through COVID. Church feels empty, doesn't it? And yet this morning, we've been hosting about 320 across seven different locations. I am so thankful for Andrew. (laughs) Uh, It is complex. We're about to open our eighth space next weekend with our evening service. I've also, from a financial perspective, asked Andrew to review our contracts and suppliers, to review our budget as a church, to ensure that we both steward well through receiving value for money, what we uh, pay and uh, what we uh, receive from that, but also to ensure that we're stewarding well by paying generously and appropriately and honouring people as, um, uh, who help us with various uh, bits and bobs. I'm not going to say too much about Johnny Fossey other than, other, than, other than to say I gave him a blank sheet of paper in my first meeting with him and said, Revival, go. He's awesome. I'm excited for that. But in response, we do need a significant uplift in our finances in 2021 for us to continue to move forward. And I'd love to ask you to serve the Lord by taking a stake in that today. That's the, the, some of the central who's in need questions. The the second part of this, I just want to ask some questions and invite your participation. What I loved as church finished a week ago was that uh, a load of people outside church started buzzing on the creative possibilities about what this could look like um, in terms of beginning to practice some of this. So I'm going to ask some questions now that we're going to process ultimately as a PCC But I ask these questions because if you would like to get involved and do some Holy Spirit think tank work between now and Christmas, what I'm going to ask you to do is to email Andrew White and offer your time to gather with three, four, five others between now and Christmas, less than six, (laughs) and to buzz with the Lord on this to inform some time that we've got as a church council towards the end of January where we want to step back and make good and godly kingdom creative decisions in response to these questions. Are you ready? The first one's this. What's the right salary level for church staff in this church? A salary level that will enable them to live well, to raise families, and to be in ministry for the long term whilst living in West Sussex, whilst recognizing that ministry is sacrificial and requires all of our lives. Number two, um, what's our long-term approach to royalties as a church? You know, Louise and I are about halfway through a book on knowing the Father. And we thought at the start of lockdown, let's crack on with it. And then we checked in with church wardens and they said, hang on a minute, we need to set some principles for the long term on what we think about this. A hundred years ago, rich Christian benefactors would pour in resource for the release of hymns and books and all of that, often for free, just so the gospel could get out there and we could share these things around. feels like in the 21st century we're in a different place, and so we're asking the question, what is right before God for us as Chank? Moving away perhaps from thinking uh, 
overtly centrally what is our responsibility as a church to those of us significantly in need how can people access help how can we be an open transparent community with shame removed that we could truly in a year's time say there's no one in need in this church next question how should we could we be responding to the housing crisis in the southeast of England because it ain't going away and we got a load of young couples on staff not on staff who are facing significant housing challenges so what's our response you know how can we be different as a church how can we think kingdom in these sorts of areas number four or five I've lost count how can we be catalyzing employment and opportunity in a time of national economic challenge like how can we work together on this, guys? Number five or six. How can we see business used as a tool to advance the kingdom of God and our call to 2033? You know, we've got lots of pockets of ideas. But let's bring them together. You know, if you want to be on a Holy Spirit think tank, talk to Andrew, email him, and he will deploy you with others to do some Holy Spirit thinking this side of Christmas on this. How do we move into next level ministry? Next question for 2033 the coffee shops the healing homes the refuge houses for drug addicts the farming producing food for whole communities how do we move into that and I I just want to add one which came out this week do you know they've got the stats in up to the end of 2019 and Samuel I've checked in with this we've got five more minutes so just um don't put up the children thing yet just want to say a couple of things um they've just brought out the c of e nationally the stats for up to the end of 2019 for numbers and attendance i could have wept this is before any covid impact and the last decade we've lost half the number of people in the church of england more than half the number of more than half less the number of children are going to church than they were a decade ago. I'm just like, what are we doing? You know, um, half of Anglican churches have children in them. And do you know how many children they have in half of those churches? Two. Two children. I was just like, oh, I, was just, I could have cried, you know, we are now, as a C of E, where the Methodist church was 10 years ago. And who, how much impact is, the, this is not me bashing the Methodists, I love them, John Wesley. How much impact are they having nationally? And we're in the same territory they were in. And, you know, I emailed um, the guy who did it, and I was just like, oh, I, I could have cried. Anyway, I just want to ask a question. If you want to do something about that, like our house is burning down. And we might want some institutional aspects of religion to disappear. But I tell you what, this means people aren't... It's not like people are receiving the gospel in fresh ways. It's not like children are growing up knowing more about Jesus as a result of it. It's, it is eroding. And the house is burning down around us. And I'm not prepared to stand by and do nothing about it. So we want to move forward in our parish. But I emailed him and I was like, how can we do something about this? So if you want to help with that, then please just add that to the list as well. And what we're going to do, 
few think tanks, and in January, the PCC are going to step back with some of that fresh, Holy Spirit-inspired thinking and set some principles for the medium term. We'll check back in after that, and then we're going to return to this in the autumn and just see how we're doing. So, are you all right? Sorry, I could go into a whole thing about church, but that's the burden that my particular heart is uh, attuned to. You know, we're, we're doing all right. There are 5% of Anglican churches who host regularly more than 185 people each weekend. So we're in that top 5%. Half of all Anglican churches host less than 26 people every weekend. I mean, it's just like, ugh. And I, I, I guess I just want to put the call in. Guys, we, we're on our watch responsible for these parishes, but to much is given, much is required. You know, God is calling us to make an impact, you know, far beyond ourselves. So I want to unashamedly say, in response to all this, I would like to invite you this morning to become a kingdom patron. One of our number gave Louise and I a brilliant book with a bunch of testimony called Gospel Patrons. And it's basically how people channeled their resources to accelerate the advance of the gospel. It's not like I don't believe in the gospel, but I'm changing this perhaps to our lingo. Who will become a gospel patron? And what you're going to get on the way out is one of these bad boys. And what they are on one side is a declaration prayer. You've got a tear-off bookmark to stick in your Bible with a couple of Bible verses on. And on the back, you've got three ways of responding. The first is to say, I am a current financial giver and I pledge to increase my monthly giving by X amount. Second column is, I'm a new monthly giver and pledge to give this much by X amount. And the third column is, I'm giving all I currently can, but count me in to pray for what God is doing in Chank. I'd love you to take these away and to consider whether you give five pence, five pounds, 500 pounds, or 5,000. This is about you and the Lord and this family and what God is doing. And I'd love you to consider just prayerfully um, working this through, work it through at home with those you need to work it through. And in a week's time, we're going to put deep cries out, loud over the thing, we're going to have some dancing, and we're going to return these as worship to the Lord and, uh, uh, and respond in this way. Will you become a kingdom patron? The detail of these are only going to be looked at by our treasury team, which is Mark the legend Barrett and Helen the legend Jenkins. It's out at the back. No one will know if you are slacking or doing really well. You won't be treated differently by how you respond because they are the only two who will know this. And that's right and appropriate. We never want to be that place which bigs up the rich, disdains the poor. We are one family, wherever we're coming from. So it's five pence or five grand, doesn't matter. Boom, let's all play our part. Will you become a kingdom patron? If you're going to be away next week, then have a wonderful weekend, but you can email this or you can return it to the church office. And um, we, it gives us a really good way of measuring what God is doing. Would you please stand and we're going to come into land.
Hey, Jim, why don't you... Yeah, just before uh, we respond, I was thinking this morning, and I said it at the nine, that I was just looking at our annual income here and looking at our annual income when I was running a church in London. The church in London is an urban priority area, a congregation of 85, 90. Here we're in a very different area, and we have a congregation of about 350. And our annual income is exactly the same. And what that translates as is if you do it per person, that we are giving £1,000 a year per person, and they were giving £3,500 a year per person. And these are people who are plumbers, working in Sainsbury's, nursery school teachers, etc. Now, I'm not, you know, it's different. Some of us have got families of six or whatever, so it's not exactly like that. But it just might paint a picture that if, if we were giving at the level that they were giving at in London, our annual income, which is 350,000, would be 1.25 million. And when you think like that, and you think about some of the stuff James has been sharing today, what could that do in the kingdom, for the kingdom, uh, also for the church family, etc., and and beyond? So it's not a thing to sort of beat us up or anything. It's just to th- get us thinking beyond where we might be thinking currently. And we can only give what the Lord asks of us, just as James and I have been sharing. No, not a penny more, not a penny less. It's what is he saying, and, and you know, we give at that level. Um, but I think for, you know, for some of us, maybe there is a challenge to, to be taking hold of. And as, as we take those um, slips away that we're going to be given as we leave, as you take that slip... I just want to invite us this week to take that before the Lord and just open-heartedly say, Father, what is uh, the right amount to give to, to here? And then maybe he'll share some other things for other areas of, of ministry or charity, etc. Um, but let's, um, let's just pray and um, yeah, in, invite the Lord to speak to us now. Um, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you... Uh, the, Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's, the earth is yours, and everything in it. And that means every penny uh, that comes through our lives. And I just want to pray as we go through this process, as we take um, the, the message that we've heard over the last few weeks, the, the stuff that you've been speaking to us on, as we take that and use it as a mirror, to shine into our lives, painful as it might be, um, the areas that are not aligned. May we have the courage to step outside of where, you know, maybe we're being protective or defensive, maybe we're being cautious or whatever it might be, or operating out of fear. Um, I don't know, Father, you know what's going on in our hearts. But may we take the areas of our lives and see, just like James has instructed Andrew to do with the spend of the church, where can we cut, where can we make savings, that we can do that in our own lives too. And I pray, Father, as we come before you uh, afresh to you know, re-evaluate our financial situation, I want to ask that you would highlight individually those areas where you're calling us 
to review and bring change. Not out of condemnation, but because we get to invest and, and become those gospel patrons. And so, Father, in our pursuit of being a generous people, I want to just invite you, Holy Spirit, to shine the light on any area that is not open to you, any area that's not consecrated. And as we go through this in the next week, as we go before you and ask you some of those questions, Lord, I ask that you would speak to us, bring challenge where that's necessary, bring encouragement where that's necessary. None of us wants to go from here condemned or that, but we do want to know what you are calling us to do. That we might be vessels of your resources to release them wherever you want to deploy them. So Holy Spirit, we invite you right now, fill us afresh with a fire in our bellies to transform the, the nature of our giving, to transform the way we look at uh, the resources you've given at our disposal and for the expectations we have of what you will uh, bring through us. And I just want to bless you, Chank, at the 11. I want to bless you as you go from here to go in the knowledge that your Father in heaven is a generous God who uh, we read in uh, 1 Corinthians 9, gives so that out of the overflow, out of the goodness, the generosity that he brings, we can bring so much more to release and deploy for his purposes throughout the earth. And so I bless you. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. Well, look, as you go, uh, do take one of those forms. Let it be a joyful thing, not a fearful thing. You know, this is such a privilege to do. And I know it can be scary, but let's allow the joy of the Lord to well up within us. Because when we give as he calls us to, it is such a joyful thing. And next week when we bring those forms back, I just see this being a really joyful occasion. Where I don't know quite how we're going to do it in these... COVID restrictions, but we'll find a way. But a really joyful occasion where we just get to reinvest in, in the kingdom and in the gospel. Thanks so much for being with us this week. It's so good to see you all. Have an incredible week. And remember, 7 a.m. tomorrow morning, the um, tickets email comes out, so, and it goes weekly. So do book your tickets for next week. Bless you guys. See you soon.